0: answers begins right now how do we help develop the skill of discernment and how do we teach that to our children how do we equip our children to face the infinite number of lies out there in the culture that they are going to encounter teaching apologetics and skills to think critically must begin at the elementary level and this is something all parents and adults can do You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with our host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In our broadcast today, Pat will be concluding his interview with Amy Davison of Mama Bear Apologetics. Now, let's not delay. Let's get right to the conclusion. Do you mind
1: if I share with you what I found? And most kids will be like, yeah, sure. And then you want to make sure that you're presenting that both sides using that ROAR method. Okay, this is what you encountered. This is why they said what they said or what has led them to believe this. But what is truth? What is reality? And then how can you, in your next situation where this comes up, what are some ways that you can navigate a discussion with your friends? Or what happens if somebody on the bus challenges you with this? So you discuss all all the sides and then give them practical tips on how to interact with it well and part of the ways we do that is again worldview awareness what is a worldview A worldview, as James Sire says in the universe next door, it answers core questions about reality, like what is true? What are human beings? What is reality? What is sin, human history, and what happens after we die? And so when our kids are capable of recognizing that everything, and we're not just talking Hinduism, Wicca, Christianity, everything is an expression of a worldview, then when a song comes on, when Taylor Swift starts going on their playlist and they hear these lyrics... They can actually stop and evaluate, wait, what is actually being said here? What is being trumpeted as truth? And so when we kind of when we can help our kids recognize that there are truth claims being made that all forms of art are an expression of a worldview, it's up to us to distinguish what that worldview is. Well, then they'll be less likely to succumb to culture because they're basically going to be able to see the attacks coming. And that's where that discernment, that worldview engagement. That charitable interaction of other worldviews is so vital to our kids is because we know that the world is marketing a secular worldview to them from the time they're toddlers, Peppa Pig, Bubble Guppies, Blues Clues. I mean, it's all in there. And while an 18-month-old may not be able to recognize it, we as parents can help build up those foundations of truth in God's word. So that way, as they get older and start asking questions, then they'll be prepared to be able to effectively interact with culture.
2: Yes, and that's what I like about Mama Bear apologetics. You know, you may not have to have all the knowledge, but if you have the skills to be able to discern truth from error and, and discuss issues like this, and the ability to discern truth from error and see false arguments, uh, that's a very valuable skill for all the parents. You can have great discussion with your teens and children. And, you know, one of the things in Barna's survey that really turned off teens from christianity is that it seemed like christians were afraid of the world you know mm-hmm. like you said they demonize everything darwinism demonic demonic movie yeah. avatar demonic don't watch that movie demonic. <laughs> right, demonic. right harry potter demonic demonic mm-hmm. and instead you know i remember when i was a youth pastor they you know want to go see a movie like avatar or something i said yeah let's go see it let's yeah. go. and they'd be surprised like, what pastor wants to go see it avatar i'm like yeah and then let's let's go to starbucks and let's talk about it what was the message what was the worldview is it true is it false? great discussions we'd have or they'd come and say hey look what we're reading we're reading Mm -hmm. this hemingway and i'm like oh let me read it too you know and we'd have discussions about how'd you find hemingway kind of depressing huh why do Mm -hmm. you think that is why do you think all these novels kind of end on Sourno, is it true what he's saying? You know, yes, it is. If God doesn't exist, this is, this is the world, you know? Yeah. And when you can, you show that you're not afraid of the world or the ideas of the world. In fact, you can interact and engage with it and point out truth and error. That's uh, tremendously valuable, not only the skills for our teens to learn, but just to see how Christians aren't afraid of the world. In fact, we've got the answers to really answer the challenges of the one we and that our faith provides the best answers to the questions that are out there.
1: Absolutely. And I think it in, in intellectual honesty that especially the younger generation really appreciates it's mm-hmm. being in the world but not of it, saying, okay, let's interact, let's have discussions, because so many of these movies have amazing Christian themes or anti-Christian themes mm-hmm. that we can now discuss and help them recognize and the teens really appreciate that because you know eventually they're going to grow out of the veggie tales phase and if they haven't been trained how do we how do we consume media healthfully how do we interact with these ideas that are coming in i mean as a parent my i have a teen son and he wanted to watch outer banks and so very popular among the teen group it's okay let's watch it together and we were able to discuss a hookup scene it didn't show anything but it was just the encounter and the the fallout from that and how we were able we were able to say, okay, look, do you see why this boy wants to continue to have this relationship with this girl, but she's just blowing him off? This actually affirms God designed for sexuality because it was meant as bonding. We were able to talk about the biological components as well as the physical and the spiritual implications of the actions that we do with our bodies from a secular TV show. Because more than likely, once your kid leaves the house, you know, if you just have the Dove channel on the the whole time, okay, yeah. But once they leave the house, they're going to be they're going to be interacting yep. with the world. Yeah. And if we haven't trained them on how to interact with the world well, they will crumble to it or right. they they will start compromising. They won't know how to effectively be in the world, not of it. And that's why it's just so important for us as parents too to help equip our kids to navigate that adult life and to recognize, hey, you know what, this movie, yeah, it's funny, it's hilarious. But here's the problematic themes. We were I was just able to do that with my oldest. We went and saw Barbie together, and we were able to interact with. Okay, what is this thing about motherhood? What is this thing about feminism? How does it describe patriarchy and vilify masculinity? And we had an amazing discussion on the way home from this movie, and be able to to say, you know what, this movie was hilarious, but masked behind the humor are these worldview claims that vilify men and give a false perception of feminism that is actually leading to the degradation of culture. and it was an amazing experience that we got to have and it was a blessing for him because he's now able to say, okay, yes there's some movies, some TV shows, some streaming programs we we just don't go there. however, when the world comes in, how can I interact with this well and charitably and it's it was a, a great moment of growth that we were able to have.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Amy, one of the big issues that you're going to be addressing at our conference and you address in, in your second book, you know, is the sex and gender issue. Yeah, it's, it's in our face every day. And, and what yeah. are the teachings out there in our public schools in the media that are really influencing our children and youth today?
1: Yeah. So the new sex education has really changed and wrapped around this whole concept of gender ideology. In fact, that's what we're seeing that you mentioned creep into the church is now queer theology, which is heavily influenced by feminism and also liberationism. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the, the proper term. It's worked into the church to where now the church has bought into this false dichotomy that culture has given up that says, well, you either are adhering to doctrine or you're loving people. And so many churches to include just here in Texas, this past year, the Methodist church had a huge split because they said, well, we had to choose between doctrine or people and we choose people. And they did not have the knowledge, the spiritual sensitivity to recognize, wait a second, when you choose people over the truth of God, you lose both. You lose yeah. God, you lose the people, you're leading them to a charlatan. And so queer theology is being marketed under this umbrella of social justice. And this is how we achieve world peace. This is how we make sure everybody has what they need. They're striving for utopia, this side of heaven. They're looking for heaven on earth and they, mm-hmm. it, they're they not going to be able to create it. But that's what's shaping our kids' education because... How do you now change a culture? Well, typically you can't go at it from the adults because the adults are set in their ways. They've made their conclusions. How do you do it? You have to get to kids. In fact, Christy Torrell Corbin, she was the uh, head of childhood education and intervention. One of the things she said is, oh, it's so great. She was referring to an episode of Sesame Street where a uh, homosexual couple was shown with a child. And, oh, it's, you know, do your parents like to cook? So do mine. Do your parents like to dance? So do mine. You know, it was very innocuous. And what she said is, oh, it's so good that little children are getting these messages at such a young age. Because it's not until they're taught biases that they start adopting these biases. Now, just throw out the word biases and put in Christian worldview and you'll know the goal. It's to change that next generation. It's that Babylonian indoctrination to be able to bring in that next generation and change culture. And so what we're seeing in our public education is now it's not male and female that's being taught. Instead, it is you know a person with a uterus or a person with a penis, or there's a birthing person now. We don't even say breastfeeding anymore. We say uh-huh. chest feeding. And it's all these compromises in language to affirm this idea that who we are has no biological anchors. Instead, it's purely a product of our minds. And there have been multiple studies by Dr. Leonard Sachs and others that have shown that, especially in children, their concept of gender is somewhat fluid. Their their concept of who they are is fluid. So if you can get them at a young age, you can actually warp their, their view of thinking to get them to believe a false ideology. And it's heavily based in modern gender stereotypes. So- they hate stereotypes, but yet they use them to determine who you are. And I mean, this has come up through Simone de Beauvoir and Judith Butler, this destruction of heteronormity. We have to get rid of male and female uh, because that's the only way we can get rid of oppression. And so what they're teaching kids is, well, you don't really know who you are. You decide that later. And it's really based on what do you like to do? Do you like to play softball, climb trees, get muddy and dirty? Well, that that's more masculine. So you actually, if you're feeling uncomfortable with your body right now, it may be because you're supposed to be a male, even though you're biologically a female. Same with traits like being soft-spoken, liking pastel colors, arts and crafts, emotional relationships over physical ones. Well, that's actually more feminine traits. If you're feeling uncomfortable in your body right now, you may actually be, it may be because you're really a female trapped in a male body. And this is really hitting kids hard, especially as they are getting closer to puberty, because who isn't uncomfortable in their bodies yeah. during puberty? Mm-hmm. And so when you can offer a, an argument that sounds logical, and it is, it's, it's logically valid, meaning it's formatted correctly. If you feel that you are, if you like these boy things, well, then maybe you're a boy. You like these boy things, therefore, you're <laughs> actually a boy. And Mm -hmm. so it's logically valid, but it's completely unsound. Meaning you can have a girl who is that rough and tumble type who likes to climb trees, who loves softball and sports. She's still very much a female. She just likes sports. Just like Uh you can have a boy who is quiet and soft-spoken and artistic that doesn't mean that he's not a boy. And right. so it's heavily based on this modern conception of gender stereotypes. And it is not only leading kids astray, but it's actively manipulating parents because, you know, oh, parents, especially us millennials, we were hyper-focused on self-esteem and emotion. And oh, your, your self-esteem has to be affirmed all the time. And you don't want to tell your children no, this whole sort of gentle, positive parenting. Don't ever tell your children no, because that's negative. Instead, you want to affirm them in anything and everything that they do. And so of so many parents, just like their kids are being lured astray by gender ideology, just like the Pied Piper. And so many of them think, no, this is how I help my child when they don't realize that they're actually leading to the child's destruction. Not only future health problems, fertility struggles, all of these issues are coming into play and most don't realize it because it's this hyper-focus on emotionalism. It's this hyper-focus on bad logic. It's this idea, this false worldview at where salvation is found and hormones and gender affirming care. And so these are all the promises that are being made. And so often the reality doesn't come in until once that individual decides, wait, I want to get married and start a family, but I can't because the hormones I've been on from the time I was 12 or 13 have made me infertile. And now I have lifelong issues and cancer threats because of it. And so this is where we're unfortunately being seen starting in school because it has to come in gently and quietly for our little ones. So they start off, you know, saying, oh, it, who you are, that's who you choose. And if you like these fun things, like these fun activities, well, then that helps determine who you are. And it it sounds really nice and good. And they don't see actually the danger that's lying in front of them.
2: Yeah, I know you won't be able to go extensively into it. Folks, you'll have to come to the conference to hear Amy go into this extensively. But just briefly, give us some practical ways that we as adults parents uncles aunts teachers can can address this issue you know many are so afraid that we're going to be labeled racist or unloving Mm -hmm. uh, when we address this issue so what are some practical ways that adults can address these issues with their kids and other children
1: Yes. Recognize that name calling is par for the course. I mean, it's ad hominem attack, right? That's what we're going to get. And if you are speaking truth, you are going to get pushback. It's hundred percent guaranteed. So just don't even let that hinder your witness. Just recognize, okay, this is the spiritual assault that's coming in because we are on the spiritual battlefield And then one of the, some of the best ways to do this is if you've got a child that maybe comes home and says, Hey, I think I may be actually a boy. Like if she's a a girl and she says, well, actually I think I'm a boy. One of the best ways that you can, can help her understand what's going on or help him if it's the opposite situation is just ask, why do you think that you're a boy? Why do you think you're a girl? And this is just a great question because then it allows the child to explain what they've maybe encountered, what their beliefs are, and then you can slowly unpack those. So I encountered a, a grandmother. She uh, We were having a, a discussion on an online forum and she said, okay, I have a nine-year-old granddaughter who all of a sudden came home from school saying that she was really a boy. And so the parents were very concerned. They went to the school and uh, spoke to the school and said, what's going on? We do not affirm pronouns, that sort of thing. Well, it turned out there was a lot of background information there. So the the child was an only child and she was now put in a public school to where she was one of 30. So she was now no longer the center of attention. But what she noticed is that when a student would come out as another gender, the teacher would throw a classroom party. She wanted a party. And so In that instance, uh, I recommended that the child actually be pulled out of the public school because she wasn't emotionally, developmentally capable of understanding what was going on. She needed that one-on-one discipleship. And she seemed to be more on the empathetic, emotional side to where she needed to be nurtured at home because she could be lured astray potentially by the pressure within the school. Uh And so just recognizing, asking those questions, why do you think you may be this other gender? Talking to your school department, so your local ISD office, you can go and request to see what curriculum is being taught. And legally, they cannot keep it from you. Now, they may try to make it more difficult, but you can be persistent. So ask the ISD office. And then if a subject comes up in a classroom setting, send an email out to the teacher and say, hey, I my son said that this was being discussed in class. I would just like to know, in what way is this being discussed? Is it from a worldview perspective to where they're saying, okay, this is what this sec- this, people believe or this belief system is. Here are the tenets of it. And let's evaluate and discuss as a classroom. Okay. I that's not a problem. We are discussing from a worldview perspective. However, something's being taught. No, this is true. You cannot question it. You have to affirm, embrace, endorse, and defend. Well, now we have a problem. So be willing to do the legwork of what's going on. Do that proactive and reactive approach to where recognize that if your children are interacting with other children in any setting, whether it's private school or homeschool, they are going to encounter the world. So you need to be having these discussions about you know identity, about male and female with your children from an early age, because eventually it's going to come in and then constantly reinforce with your kids, hey, buddy. If ever anything is said in class that confuses you, if you're pressured into it, if you don't know really what's going on, go ahead and come talk to me about it. And I promise we're gonna look at this together and I'm gonna get you the information. So that way kids, and reinforce that regularly. So that way your children know, hey, if something comes up, Mom and dad is the person that I can go to. Grandma, grandpa, I can go and ask them. Or my youth pastor, I can ask him anything. He's not going to freak out. And he's going to help get me some research because our kids today aren't cultivated to do research. They're cultivated to retweet, which is mm-hmm. an emotional, quick thinking response. So we want to teach our kids no to get to the bottom of an issue involves more than three seconds of study. And so those are just some quick tips on how we can help our kids engage well.
2: Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point, you know, that labeling. And receiving a harsh response, sometimes, I mean, that's par for the course. You know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. So the truth will set you free or the truth can often offend. Oh, yeah. And there was no one more loving and truthful than Jesus. And, you know, you look at the kind of responses he got from the religious leaders and those who he had to confront on their false ideology and present truth. So sometimes... Truth is going to hurt feelings of your children or others, but that's the most loving thing to do sometimes. It's not to let them go and embrace and believe in a lie, but instead present them in the truth in the most loving and gracious way possible. But even then, sometimes it's going to offend and need to be prepared for that. But in the long run, if you're pointing them to the truth, that's the most loving and the beneficial thing that you can do. But you need to be prepared for the kind of response you might get from the culture uh, and even your children. That's a great point that uh, you point out there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense when you look at truth, how is it referred to within scripture? It's often referred to as salt and light, but salt just as much as it can bring out flavor also purifies, but it stings as well. Same with light, you know, light is beautiful, but if you've been in darkness for a while, that blast of light. I mean, we all know in the morning when you open up Mm -hmm. the windows, that can, that can burn a little bit, that can hurt the eyes a little. So a hostile response to that should be expected. However, just like within medical care, you know, we go through surgeries and procedures that are painful at the moment, but it's for the lasting benefit, salvation of healing. And that can only come through Jesus because our culture today is trying to say, no, here's all these different other ways that you can find salvation, that you can find healing, that you can find your true self. And they sound so good because they indulge the human appetites and the brokenness of the human being, our natural sin nature. And so when it endorses those things, it can seem very tempting to a child, especially if they're struggling emotionally and are, are feeling very vulnerable and ostracized from their communities, but that's where they desperately need someone to love them enough to gently speak truth to them so that they can find life through Christ. Wow. Yeah.
2: You know, Amy, another talk that's generating a lot of interest is uh, the one that you're giving, and I don't think it's in your book, so you'll have to come to the conference to hear Amy speak on this, is is Parenting the Prodigal. Share with us just briefly some advice on how to handle these situations when a child seems to walk away from their faith, whether at the teen years or maybe in, even in their adult years.
1: Yeah, so that is one of the most vulnerable areas. And it makes sense because Satan, to get at us, some sometimes he doesn't need to attack us directly. He goes after our children. I mean, when we look at Job, he went after the children before he went after Job himself. And that can be immensely devastating because especially if we have done our best to reflect Christ to our children. And yet our children don't come to faith. We feel, oh, that that, that's on me, that I have failed as a parent, but that in and of itself is a lie from Satan. And so within parenting prodigals, we're going to look at the realities of free will and sin nature. We're going to look at practical encouragements for parents who are maybe going through a time where a child is walking away. I mean, we've not, us personally, but our our family as a whole has even gone through this and is currently going through this. And it it is a constant battle. And one of those ways that Satan not only is effective at attacking us, not only going after our children, but then making us feel isolated, alone, and responsible for its occurrence. And so we're going to be discussing those as well and how, no, this actually is a time for us to draw closer to God and to recognize too, that our ministry hasn't changed. We haven't lost a ministry opportunity with children who have walked away from the faith instead it's shifted and so when we can recognize the shift and ways in which we can still actively be ministering to our child even if they don't speak to us even if they're not involved in our lives then there's hope in that and we can it can help not only bless the child but also nurture the parents as well
2: Yes. And so that's going to be a great seminar. You're going to want to hear Amy speak on that topic. Well, you've been listening to our interview with Amy Davidson of Mama Bear Apologetics, a tremendous ministry out there right now. Amy, if people want to find out more information on you, the things that you talked about and the ministry of Mama Bear Apologetics, where can they go to get more information?
1: We are all over the social medias. So we are on Instagram. We have a Facebook page as well. In fact, I often recommend Facebook, even though that's that's such a millennial thing for me to do. Uh, but it, one of the great aspects of Facebook is there is the message button. And if you click that, it goes to our phones to where oftentimes we're interacting with adults real time, just mm-hmm. from the comfort of our own home. Some of our blog wow. posts and our podcasts have come from questions that parents have asked us. And so we- we love community. We love fellowship. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I don't believe we're on TikTok very much, but we're there on most of the social medias. Plus you can just go to mamabearapologetics.com. That's M-A-M-A, mamabearapologetics.com, all one big word. And you're going to find everything from our blogs, our podcasts. We also have an audio apologetics blog, which is great. We have a gal, she goes and finds apologetic articles and she reads them. She just reads the articles. So that way, if you are more an auditory learner, or you travel a whole bunch, or you've only just got a quick 10 minutes, you know, she, you can pop in one of those audio apologetics blogs and get other great resources from Jay Warner Wallace, Elisa Childers, Natasha Crane, and just be able to immerse yourself in God's word.
2: Yes. That's Uh, mamabearapologetics.com. You've been listening to Evidence and Answers. Our guest has been Amy Davidson. She'll be here in Hawaii at the Evidence and Answers conference. They're going to want to come out and hear her and the other great speakers who will be there. So Amy, thanks for being a guest with us here. We look forward to seeing you here in Hawaii. I can't wait,
0: Pat. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and to equip you in your faith to always be ready to give a response. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, contact Pat by calling him in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586, or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You will also find articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. An additional location to find Pat's messages is on YouTube. Look up Evidence and Answers and hit the subscribe button. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners, donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerberg.